Well, it is um, truly an honor and a privilege for me to be here this morning. You know, for the last, um, you know, I was going to say six months since you launched, but really it's been about the last two years. I have had a very up close and personal view of what it has taken not only to bring this place to life initially back in February, but to see what it takes week in and week out to bring this place to life every week. And I, I stand in awe of the staff here. I stand in awe of the volunteers um, that we've seen a little bit of a glimpse of today and just what you all have been able to do here. So when I say it's a privilege and an honor for me to be here, I don't say that lightly. Um, it truly is uh, really important to me to just be a small part of this. So thanks so much for having me. And having said that, I have to say that anytime I stand before a group of people and I open up God's Word and I get ready to reflect on that and share a little bit of my own story, um, I always find that a humbling thing. And so will you bow your heads and just say a word of prayer with me as we enter into this morning's message? Father God, this morning we are your servants. We believe in who you are and we believe in the power of your word to transform our lives. And so this morning, Lord, have your way with us. Whatever you want us to learn, whatever you want us to hear, we pray it may be true. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, a little more than 20 years ago, as Eric mentioned, 21 to be exact this fall, um, Eric and I walked into a small church on the north side of Pittsburgh. We'd been married for just a couple of months, and we didn't had not figured out a lot about what to do in our married life at that point, but we knew that we wanted to start our married life um, in a church community, in a place of worship. And so Eric's parents knew someone that knew someone who knew the pastor of this church, and so one Sunday morning, we got in the car and we made our way down the Ohio River Boulevard and we pulled into a gravel parking lot and we made our way up the back stairs of a tiny neighborhood church just outside of Pittsburgh. We didn't know anybody there. There were about 150 people there on a really good Sunday and we had no idea what to expect. And when we walked in, the worship band that morning was being led by a gentleman who was about six foot six. His name was Tim. And it turns out Tim was a very successful actor in the city of Pittsburgh. And the worship band that was behind him, um, when they weren't doing their day jobs or worshiping at church, they were actually a traveling Celtic band. And so they were phenomenal and kind of like nothing we had ever heard before. And when it came time for the greeting time, one of those gentlemen came out of the band and walked down to Eric and I. We were sitting in the front seat because Eric always likes to sit in the front seat. He's a good church boy. And so uh, this guy comes down and he has this big, burly, bearded guy. And to this day, he still reminds me of Hagrid in Harry Potter. And he reaches out, his name was Roy, and he shook our hands with his fat fingers. And in his warbled voice, he said, are you ready to praise the Lord today? And we didn't really know how to respond to that. But the funny thing was, he got back in the band and he played the flute. It's a little <laughs> ironic. Well, when it was time for the sermon, one of the gentlemen in the worship band actually got out of the band and uh, came up to give the sermon. He was filling in for the senior pastor that day, and he stood up in a flannel shirt and a Steelers t-shirt and a pair of jeans and a pair of red Chuck Taylors. 
There's our Converse for young kids, right? And it was before Converse came back in style, right? And he gets up, and he actually happened to be a professional author. He was a children's book author, and he was a professional storyteller. And so as part of his sermon that morning, he was going to preach out of one of his children's books called Jonah Groaned. And he asked the congregation as part of the sermon that every time he said the words Jonah groaned, we were supposed to groan. All right, now I am one of those people that if a communicator is on stage, a pastor, or a teacher, and they're like, hey, raise your hand if, right? I hate that. Anybody with me? I won't make you raise your hand because I know you won't, right? <laughs> but I hate that. And so you could say, raise your hand if your name is Sue Ann Canfield and you were standing on Christchurch Downers Grove, right, stage this morning preaching a sermon, and I would be like, you know, just like that. I won't do it. And so when he said he wanted everybody to say Jonah groaned, I was like, yeah, no way, no way anybody is going to do this. And wouldn't you know, when he said those words, the whole congregation, it didn't matter, young, old, man, woman, black, white, purple, whatever, he said Jonah groaned. And these people let out the most theatrical, dramatic, enthusiastic groan that you have ever wanted to hear. And every time he said it, they did it over and over and over again. I thought, gosh, some of these people sound like they're, you know, in labor or something. And I remember Eric and I exchanging looks. And I remember looking at him and I remember thinking, who are these people? And where are we? Because this is the weirdest, strangest, most eclectical church we have ever been part of. And yet we came back, and we came back week after week after week. And in between those weeks, we worshiped with these people, and we served with these people, and we played with these people, and we ate copious amounts of food with these people. And every Monday night, in our small group at the home of Peg and Daryl's house, we studied the Bible, and we prayed with these people. And all the moments in between those moments, we did all the things that you do to build relationships with people. And three years later, we stood on that stage, and we had to say goodbye because we were actually moving to another state. And I tell you, I cried hot, wet tears because those people had not just become our friends, but they had become our family. And to this day, it's still one of the hardest goodbyes, and I think Eric would agree, that we've ever had to say. And when I reflect on that time, and I think back 20 years ago, and I think, why was that time so transformative for us? Why did that experience affect us so deeply that it actually caused my husband to want to become a pastor someday? What was it about those relationships that changed who we were then and continues to shape how we do relationships with other people, even to this day, as we minister and share life together with people in this church. What was it that wanted, helped us to want to follow the way of Jesus in those people? And one thing that's become very clear to me is that those relationships did not happen by accident. They didn't. Relationships don't happen by accident. And so this morning, we are going to continue this sermon series simply called The Way. 
And we've already looked at how Jesus is the way, and last week we looked at how his way is a good way, and this week we are going to look about how his way is a relational way. And what does it mean to live the relational way of Jesus? And I'm going to submit to you that in order to live the abundant life that Jesus has called us to live, that we actually have to do it together. Now, that might not surprise most of you who have been in church doing community for a long time, but here's the deal. Here's the catch. Not only do we have to do it together, not only do we just have to show up in these places, but in our crazy, busy, stressed out, fast-paced, social media-driven, over-connected, FOMO kind of life, we have to do more than just show up. To truly live the relational way of Jesus, we have to be intentional about what we do and how we do it. Because if we're not intentional with the people in our lives, all right, and right now I want you to think about who are those people for you? It can't be everybody. Who are those people you need to be intentional with? Is it your friend? Is it your kid? Is it your neighbor? Who is it today? Because if we're not intentional with those people who we are most close to, especially in our lives, it's always easier to talk about the weather, to talk about what we did on summer vacation, or talk about how tired we are. Better yet, for me, my favorite, it's always easier to sit home in my PJs on a Friday night and binge watch my next thing on Netflix, right? That's always gonna be easier than doing the hard and rewarding work that comes with living the relational way of Jesus. You know, when God set up the universe from the beginning of time, he was already being relational. He wasn't just being relational, actually. Ontologically speaking, the makeup of who he was was relational. If we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very beginning of the Bible, we see that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And so who do we see? Okay, it's bold, so this is really easy, okay? Who do we see in the beginning already? Who do we see? Two people. We see God and we see the spirit of God, right? We see two right there. And then we're gonna fast forward to the New Testament in John chapter 1.1. And we're gonna see these same words. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But who do we see here? Who, who knows here? When we talk about the word, who is John referring to? Jesus, right? And so we see in the beginning that we see three. We see God, we see God's spirit, and we see the word, we see Jesus. And we see that they existed in the beginning of time together in relationship with one another. This is what theologians throughout time has called the Trinity, right? Or the mystery of the Trinity. And I'll let Eric or maybe someone else unpack that another day. We're not gonna go there. But what we can see for our purposes this morning is that before the creations of the heaven and the earth, God existed in relationship with himself. And then we see in Genesis 1:26, and this is God speaking, he says, let us make human beings in our image. Have you ever caught that? 
in our image to be like us. And again, that has lots of applications, but for us today, it means that God created us in that image, in that relational image, so that we too could be relational. And we see that's exactly what God does, right? Through the meta-narrative of scripture, this is exactly what he does. He establishes relationships with his people. He establishes relationships with individuals. He establishes relationships with nations, right? He establishes the nation of Israel, and he goes time and time again and pursues his people and is in relationship with them. And so it is no surprise that when God steps into this earth as Jesus in the flesh, it is no surprise that when he comes to establish a new heaven and a new earth, that he does it by establishing what? Relationships with his people. And he puts forward a model that we can see and how to live in relationship with one another. Now, Eric has encouraged us to read the book of Luke throughout this series. I don't know how many of you maybe are doing that. I've actually been listening to the audio version on my uh, evening walks, and I've really um, enjoyed it. But we're going to take just a 50,000-foot view of the book of Luke right here and, and what we can learn about living the relational way. When we read the narrative of Luke, we most often see that Jesus is out in the crowds, right? He's with lots of people. He is, he is teaching in the synagogues. He is at the commerce at the lake. He is walking down village streets, and we see that crowds of people are flocking to him because he's like nothing they've ever seen, right? He looks people in the eye, and he calls them by name. He sees people that no one else sees, and he touches people that no one else touches, and he invites people in that people had long since written off, and he brings light and love and hope to everyone he encounters. But are, there are also these moments, right? These in-between moments from the times he's out with the crowds where he pulls in, right? He pulls in and he goes into the homes of people because Jesus wasn't just friends with everybody, right? He had his people at the same time. And so he pulls in and he steps away from the crowds and he enters these homes and he takes time out of his busy and complicated schedule and he eats with people and he drinks with people, but here's the catch. He doesn't just show up, right? He doesn't just do this to pass the time or because it's a good party. He does it because he actually wants people to know that his way is a better way to live. You see, we can be with people all the time. We know this, right? We can be surrounded by conversations and activity and conversation, maybe even go out to lunch with the same people every week, we can sit at our dinner tables in the evening with the same family every night. And we can maybe never live the relational way of Jesus. We can maybe be in lots of relationships and never actually be challenged to take one step closer to the God who wants to be in relationship with us. You know, my daughter, uh, she's 16. She came back from the high school mission trip this summer at the end of July. We went for a long walk so she could tell me about her experience. And she said to me, you know, Mom, we don't, we don't really talk about Jesus. And I was like, what? We talk about Jesus all the time. Are you kidding me? We talk about God and we talk about Jesus. And, and she said, no, no, no. We talk about all that. But what we don't talk about is how Jesus is actually changing your life. And I went, I need to change that one, don't I? 
You see, our relationships as Christ followers should look different than our relationships in the world. Our relationships with our brothers and sisters should look a little different because the relational way is an intentional way. And the intentional way, I believe, is the only way that is the transformational way onto the only way with Jesus. We see that Luke records seven different encounters of Jesus being in the homes of people. And we're just, we're not going to go through all these. You can see the snapshot there. Feel free to take a picture with your phone or maybe they'll post them on the Facebook page. You can go read them later. But in addition to just the joy of being together, we see that there were some very intentional moments in these encounters with people. I'm going to highlight just two of them. We see moments where people are encouraged and celebrated. This first one I have on our Luke chapter one is an exchange between Mary and Elizabeth. Now, some of you are scratching your head because you're like, wait a minute, Jesus wasn't there, but you know, he was. Mary was pregnant, so we're, he's in utero, and so we're going to count that as Jesus being present in that moment. And Mary goes to her, her cousin's house, Elizabeth, to share this news that she's pregnant. And I love Elizabeth's response because it's not just, hey, congratulations, way to go. Good job, let's get a date on the calendar, and I'll show you, throw you a shower, right? That's not what this moment is. She says in verse 145, she says, Elizabeth says to Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You see, in this moment, she takes a moment, Elizabeth, to not only celebrate, to encourage Mary in her faith. She takes a moment to say to her, hey, Mary, you heard the voice of God in your life and everybody else thought you were crazy, but I am so proud of you because you had the courage to do what God was calling you to do. And you know what Mary does in return? It goes on, Mary writes this beautiful song of praise to her Lord. Elizabeth was intentional with Mary in that moment in a way that made Mary take a step towards the way of Jesus. Let me ask you, who in your life do you have that encourages you to listen to the voice of God? Who's asking you those questions? Who are you sitting across and saying, hey, I know everyone else thinks you're crazy, but I believe that's God's voice in your life, and you need to take a step in that direction. We see in one of the other stories here in Luke chapter 7, the story of the sinful woman that enters the home of the, the Pharisee. This is, many of you may know this story. But we see that Jesus is eating in the home of Simon the Pharisee. And this woman comes in and she's uninvited, right? Not only is she uninvited, but she's a little um, sketchy, right? Her reputation precedes her and not in a good way. She comes uninvited, and she kneels at the feet of Jesus, and she starts pouring perfume on her feet, and she just starts weeping because she's so overwhelmed, and her hair is falling right in her face and at his feet, and she's just wiping the tears that are coming out on her face and on Jesus' feet, and the men in the room are not happy that she's there. And not only do they think she doesn't belong, but they don't approve of her behavior, not how she's lived her life in this moment or what she's done in the past, and so they just start ridiculing her. And we see that Jesus does two things. First of all, he doesn't ignore the awkward moment, right? We all know these moments 
when you're sitting with someone or you're in relationship with someone and you know something is off and something is not quite right and you get that moment where your heart starts beating out of your chest and you think, gosh, I really, I really should probably say something. I should have this conversation. Jesus doesn't ignore that. He actually moves into the moment. And he says something in verse 40 in chapter 7 that just stopped me dead in my tracks this week because he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Have you ever been in these conversations where you've sat across someone who says, I've got something to say to you? Have you ever been the one who has had to look a friend in the eye and swallow all that stuff and that anxiety that's going on inside you and just say, I have something to say to you because I know that you are not living in the way of Jesus that God intended you to live. Those are hard conversations. I don't like being part of them no matter which side of the table I am sitting on, but I think we can all agree that those kinds of conversations lead us to the way of Jesus. And that's what Jesus does with Simon. And then he shares a story, he shares a parable, and then he turns to the woman who is still at his feet And he looks her right in the eye, and he protects her, and he values her, and he says, daughter, your sins are forgiving, your faith has saved you, go in peace. You say he takes this moment to remind her of who she is as a precious child of the king. He reminds her that she is first and foremost a daughter of God. Do we do this in our relationships? Are we intentional in this way in our relationships? Do we remind people of their identity in Christ? Do we remind them that no matter their past, their present, or their future, that they are in Christ, forgiven and made new? Do we remind them that no matter how high the valley or how how high the mountain or how low the valley, that God is with them, that he will never leave them or forsake them? Do we remind them that there is a Father in heaven who is for them, who is with them, who is loving them, that there's nothing that his light cannot overcome. Do we take these intentional moments to remind the people in our lives of who they are as a child of God? And if you look at those stories time and time again, we see the way Jesus was intentional with his people. Because you see, when Jesus was with people, he was constantly peeling back the layers. Right? He had no tolerance for pretense. He never wanted to be on the surface. He didn't want to see their life from a social media distance and say they were friends. Right? When he was with people, he truly wanted to be with people, fully present with them, and to know them better. And his deepest desire for them was that they would move closer to the way he had paved. Henry Nouwen says, it's difficult not to have plans, not to organize people around an urgent cause, and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. It's difficult not to go after our to-do list. It's difficult not to just run right by the people in our lives because we don't have time, we are busy. But then he goes on to say this, I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories and tell your own, and to let them know with words, handshakes, and hugs that you do not simply like them, but you truly love them. 
Because what better way to show people the way of Jesus than to truly love them? You know, at the beginning of this series, Eric asked this question. He said, what if we could discover a more vibrant life through the practical ways we live with and through Jesus? And I thought, all right, let's get practical. He wanted me to get practical. And here's as practical as I can get. You know that moment, okay, when you're at the mall or uh, at the grocery store? Where do guys hang out? Home Depot, I don't know. Where, where do you go? Is that too stereotypical? All right. So you know that moment when you haven't showered, right? You don't have any makeup on. You have your hat on. Maybe you have yard work stuff all over your, right? And you just want to get in and get out. And then you see that person that you know, right? You see them. And you're not sure if they saw you, but you see them. And you have just this really brief second to make this split decision. Am I going to pull down my hat and look at my shoes and duck into the next aisle as quickly as possible before they see me? Or am I going to lift my chin up and look them in the eye and acknowledge them today? And friends, I have to tell you that we have this choice every day, every day with the people in our lives, every day with the people in our homes, every day with the people at work, with our spouses, with our family, whoever it may be, every day we have the choice to say, am I going to pick my chin up and I'm going to look them in the eye and I'm going to celebrate them and encourage them? Am I going to encourage them to listen to the voice of Jesus in their life? Am I going to remind them of who they are? Am I going to challenge them to live differently when I see that something's not quite right? We have that choice to make, friends. And I hope this morning as we leave this place, we'll figure out who those people are and we will make the decision to live the relational way with them in a very intentional way. Because I don't believe that the relational way is one of those things that we can opt in or opt out of, right? It's not how I feel about raising my hand in front of people. It's the way Jesus wants us to live. Beth has some reflection questions that she's going to put on the screen. And Randy has those on a study guide in the back that you can pick up on the way out that fleshes these things out a little more. But I just want to close with one short story. So last summer... I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip with the high schoolers. And um, we were going to Boston. It's a 15-hour trip, and so we needed a place to stop on the way to Boston. And Pete Stearns, our uh, ministry director, had a place that fell through. And so he called me and he said, hey, Pittsburgh is about halfway through this trip. Um, Do you know anywhere there that might be willing to open their doors and uh, let 60 high school students sleep on their floor? And I said, Ashley, I know a church. And so I made a phone call. And of course, my friends that we built relationships with all these years ago said, absolutely, come, it's yours. And so we showed up with 60 high school kids, and Peg and Daryl were there, who we went to Bible study at their house every night. And Tim and Diana, Tim, the six foot six tall worship guy, they met us at the door. They'd actually gone to pick up all our food for us. They paid for all the drinks, they fed our kids, they served our kids, they cleaned up after our kids. They drove us all into the city to do a sightseeing tour. They brought us back, they made sure we were settled. They handed us the keys 
They said, have a good night. We'll see you next week. I said, all right. They left. The next week, we came back through. And uh, <clears throat> there were two young adult leaders on our trip who uh, beat the rest of us to the church and had to lo- unload all the luggage from the vans. And so they pulled into that gravel parking lot at 10 o'clock at night in the rain. And six foot six worship leader Tim met them in the rain and he helped them unload every single bag. And those two young gentlemen both texted me the next week and they said, hey, we forgot to tell you, but whoever that guy was that showed up, tell him thank you for what he did for us. He was so great. And I thought, you know, in essence, what they are saying in a nutshell is, hey, thank that guy for living the way of Jesus with us. And I thought, you know what? He did that not because we were friends, not just because of the time that we spent together 20 years ago and those intentional relationships that we lived together. He did it for that. But he did it because when we live in the relational way with one another, we live in a different way. And we are knitted beyond time and beyond space by the very spirit of God that hovered over those waters and who calls us to a mission higher than ourselves. When you live that kind of relational life and you believe in the way of Jesus, you show up at 10 o'clock at night in the rain and you help a bunch of kids you don't know unpack bags because it's just what we do. Friends, (laughs) the relational way is what Jesus, what sent him to the cross why he did what he did for us. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of one act in all of human history that could be more relational, more intentional, and more transformational than that. Let's pray. God, we sit in your presence this morning reminded first and foremost that you want a relationship with us. Lord, you created this earth in a relational way and you've been pursuing your people throughout time. And so Lord, let not one person here this morning walk away not being completely certain that you are pursuing a relationship with them. Lord, let us accept that. Let us come to you. Lord, in whatever spaces that we have in our life that you are calling us, even this morning, to build more intentional relationships so that we can know your way better, Lord, I pray we may take just one step. Just one step, Lord. You'll be with us when we do. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we ask all of these things in your precious son's name. Amen.